We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Computer, this is Data. I'm an android. I'm an basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. I'm your host for today, Tim. You know me as Cranjus McBasketball on Twitter. And today, it's actually game day. It's Thursday when I'm recording this. A little bit late. Was tied up a bit yesterday. But the Lakers, on Tuesday, beat Golden State 117-112. Golden State went on a bit of a run there in the fourth quarter to get things closer after L.A. You know, started a little slow, but then just you know, slowly but surely took over the game after, you know, a a rough start with some transition for Golden State, LA in transition, turning the ball over, not getting good shots, some silly turnovers uh, after like rebounds and things like that. LA cleaned it up, was able to take control. The Lakers dominated in the paint and at the rim and at the free throw line as a result. And Golden State was much, much more heavily three-point focused. The Warriors set a franchise record for first half threes In this game, ended up shooting 40%, so you can't really complain on that end there. Uh, We certainly are hearing their uh, fans complain, but I think there is a lot that the Lakers did that makes me feel like this was a legitimate win. This was not fluky. A lot of what I saw will carry over, and when I think about what these teams will be doing to adjust, Ellie's in a really good spot. So let's take a quick break and then get right into it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. All right, so the Lakers defense put on a heck of a performance in this game, and it was a carryover from the three most recent regular season performances. We saw the team top-locking shooters, which I talked about on the pre-series scouting report. We saw the team then sag off of the non-shooters. So if the guys that were top-locked tried to back-cut, you know, 80 standing right there. And that strategy was great. It really slowed down Golden State's off-screen offense. When it came to their ball screen offense, we did see the Lakers go with what I was hoping to see with the high drop coverage, switching when it was a guard-guard actions. And Golden State threw out some counters more on the off-screen side. Pretty basic pick-and-roll attack. But LA found success in both of those areas. But before I dig into those, we have to talk about Anthony Davis's rim protection. This guy was everywhere. He was so good. He, uh, defending the rim, game one, uh, Golden State shot 4 for 10 against him. 40%, not good at the rim. Their expected field goal percentage was about 64%. He held them about 24% below expectations. This is about on par with, uh, what, most of the Memphis series? 25, 24, 24, 33, 33. And then a game one was minus uh, 14%. So he was, you know, right around the middle of that group, you know, continuing to doing what, continue to do what he's doing or what he was doing. One big difference though, he was there almost always. He contested 91% of the shots Golden State took at the rim when he was on court. He was, his, his presence was, you know, it, he was just always there. And we saw this absolutely disrupt the heck out of Golden State's paint attacks. The cuts, they're cutting right into AD. We were seeing Golden State just not take shots. The deterrence from him was incredibly disruptive. The disruption from him was incredibly disruptive. He continues to put on defensive player of the year performances on the defensive end of the court. And in a way that, I, I mean, I don't see it slowing down. He's been fantastic. He played a heavy minute load. We're going to talk about his offense in a few moments. Defensively, he was everywhere. And Golden State, unless they find ways to get him away from the rim, and honestly, I don't really see them being able to do that, LA's defensively is going to be in great shape. Great shape. When we look at the lineups Golden State wants to use, almost all of them have like two non-shooters in them. Some of them have only one non-shooter. As long as you're keeping AD on those non-shooters, you're in great shape. We're, I don't think we're going to see a Steph, Poole, Clay, Wiggins, Jamichael Green lineup or something like that to try to draw AD away from the room. And if it does, we'll see the Lakers adjust. But 
I expect AD to continue to be able to defend the rim really well. And when we try to contextualize what this looked like for Golden State compared to their season averages and just their norms on a game-by-game basis, if you stack up all what they played 90 games this year, uh, this was the ninth lowest rim frequency for their team on the entire season. When AD was on the court, it was even lower. 11% of their shots were shots at the rim. And he contested the shit out of them. Um, the average distance on two-point attempts for Golden State was the fifth furthest on the season. If they were taking twos, they were longer twos because AD was there. Their mid-range frequency in this game was higher than 82% of their games on the regular season. They took a lot of threes. They're going, they will take a lot of threes. They were not getting to the rim. They were forced to take a lot of mid-range jumpers. And this is what the Lakers want. And they hit, I to me, you know, for me, I think Golden State overperformed with a lot of those middies. But just stay the course. This is a process thing. If he can lock down the rim, you are going to be in really good shape in the series. Kevon Looney, Traymond Green, Dante DiVincenzo, Clay Thompson. These are all guys with like D-ish uh, grade rim shot making on the season. They are underperforming their shot quality. Those are not the types of players that want to go challenge Anthony Davis at the rim. And when they do, it's not going to go well. In terms of self-creation at the rim, we talked about this pre-series on the scouting report. Only Steph and Poole are really self-creating their attempts at the rim. And both of those guys are smaller players that will be ones that Anthony Davis will be able to disrupt well. And the deterrence we saw as a result of his presence, you know, there were plays where Golden State back cuts off of a top lock and there was just nothing there. They dribble out, they reset. Or they run a set play, they get nothing out of it. So great, great stuff for LA. This is a wonderful formula for the Lakers. This is a key area in the series that the advantage went to LA. Now with Steph ball screens, we saw 80% of his ball screens face high drop, at least his scoring possessions. There were plenty more possessions where he ran a ball screen, got nothing out of it, no shot, no pass to a shot, just, all right, we've got to keep running offense because there's nothing here. LA went to high drop and it worked really well. This is what they used in the regular season against Steph for most of what they did. And it worked to the best of the options. I talked about on the pre-series scouting report how high drop makes the most sense of the options. You're not giving up those numbers advantages. You do not create any strength in numbers for Golden State. And we saw this. We saw this. Steph has played 57 games where he played 30 or more minutes on the season. He has only had fewer assists in three of those 57 games. LA shut the water off when it came to Steph ball screens creating for others. He was able to jack some shots up for himself. They were contested, difficult shots, and they didn't score efficiently. His his, uh, ball screens on this game, 0.9 points per possession. That's really bad for him. That is not going to win Golden State the game. Against high drop, 0.75. Horrific. Absolutely horrific. If someone's telling you, oh, well, Golden State just needed to run more ball screens, bullshit. They're a liar. They're not looking at the results. They're not seeing how many of these ball screens were just shut down outright. And then when they were trying to get shots up, yeah. He hit a couple of these shots. He's going to hit a couple of these shots. He was not creating for teammates. And he was missing a lot of these longer, deeper, contested pull-up threes. So if you're going to make Golden State play out of their ball screens, that is the outcome you want as the Lakers. Now, Golden State can do things to try to counter this. We could see them try to run Oklahoma action, veer action, stack action, try to seal the drop. There are things they could do to try to jumpstart this pick-and-roll game. We saw the Lakers face stack in the first round and drop and shut it down really well. 
The Lakers run Veer. They run Oklahoma. They know how to stop those actions. And top locking are the way to stop those actions, and they're doing that already. So some of the options that Golden State, in theory, could go to currently, like with how how LA is currently game planning, just will not work. And some of them, like Stack, unless they you know pull out variants the Lakers haven't seen. Memphis's offense in that first first series was pretty basic in terms of how they ran these Spain pick and rolls, the Stack pick and rolls, same thing. LA should be able to defend this well. Sealing the drop, I think that's a viable option. We'll see how that looks. We'll see if they get to that. But I think that's a decent way to use. Looney and Green, they're not lob threats. Seal AD. Try to seal him off. Um, so, advantage Lakers. This was great. They played the, the action 2v2. I think there was like a play or two where they kind of got out of it and gave up something to the role man. But other than that, absolutely great defense here. There were so many times where no shot was generated at all. Or, you know, like there was the play with about two minutes left in the game. AD was in a high drop, slapped the ball out of bounds. You know, bring it out from, from a sideline play. Like, great, great defense. AD was great in this. Wendy Gabriel did great in this. I really, really liked what I saw. And Steph, you know, he, he had five turnovers. Dennis caused two of them. Vando caused two of them. D'Lo had one of them that he caused. Steph also drew five fouls, three on Vando, one on Dennis, one on AD. In terms of the individual defense on him, I really liked what I saw from Dennis Schroeder. Dennis and Vando were the two guys primarily on Steph. And I thought we saw really good length and disruption from Vando. We also saw that result in, in fouls, three fouls on him, directly on Steph. Dennis had a better mix of uh, defensive playmaking to foul ratio. I thought he stayed in front better. I thought he top-locked better. I thought he navigated ball screens better. I think Vando also did a pretty good job. I was impressed. And his length was very helpful in helping him recover. There were times he was dying on screens, and the Lakers would have to you know, get a little bit higher up with that, uh, with that drop for AD, or we saw them switch on times where there were Dennis ball screens where they didn't need to switch. So I do like to see, I'm okay seeing both of these guys on Steph. I would like to see some Reeves, more Reeves opportunity, because he also is a good on-ball defender, good screen navigator, on-ball and off-ball. He did a pretty good job on Clay. Clay's bigger than him, got a couple shots off, but the perimeter defense was really good for the Lakers. It was not perfect. Mistakes were made. When you're playing this Golden State team for 48 minutes and this is really all they're doing constantly, you're going to make some mistakes. And that's okay. You're, I don't expect success to look like no points from Golden State. They're going to score. They're going to hit tough shots. Occasionally, you're going to have a, a, a misstep. Occasionally, they're pulling out counters. But for the most part, the, the Lakers did a really good job defending here. I thought Troy Brown in the first half was trying to whip around screens a bit too much. He was going under. He was... Uh, shooting the gap. Uh, like he wasn't just locking and trailing and he got burnt for it a couple times. There were other times he didn't get burnt for it, but Golden State, pretty high IQ navigating off ball screens. If you try to whip around the screen rather than trail, they'll fade off of it. And we saw this happen and we saw him score a couple times. From what I could tell, looking at the film on a rewatch, I didn't, I didn't log this specifically for Troy, but from what I saw, he cleaned that up in the second half and it's not in ongoing, big picture, long-term issue I think I have with him for this series. I thought his navigation was pretty darn good as well. And he was less on step, more on clay. But I thought he did a darn good job also. Just like these other guys, there were mistakes. It wasn't perfect, but it was really good. The, the six, success rate was really high. When the volume is high and high and high, you're going to have more failures. 
but the success rate itself was pretty high for him, as well as Dennis and Reeves and Vanderbilt. So really good work from the perimeter defense for the Lakers. D'Lo, I thought, did a pretty darn good job as well. Uh, he was not perfect. He is not as good at this as some of these other guys, but I thought he showed off some screen navigation skills and did a pretty good job. He's not the best at staying in front, but as a team defender, as a chaser defender, as a communicator, he's he's got some skill, and I thought he did well. So that was exciting to see. Uh, with that Golden State off-screen defense, or offense, it was held below its season average uh, on dribble handoffs. They were below their season average efficiency on off-screen plays. Usually they score... 1.02 points per possession. They scored 0.857 points per possession. That's a big difference. That's from elite to this is pretty crappy offense. Their cuts, which is what is being fueled by defenses needing to put two guys at the at the shooter to take away, the, you know, they're trailing and then they're also hedging. They're also showing. Usually Golden State scores uh, a point and a third per possession. In this game, 1.063, so a quarter of a point, over a quarter of a point difference per play that the Lakers were holding down those cuts. And this had to do with, if you're cutting, we are choosing that you will be cutting into a guy who's sagging off in there to help. There's no cut to lay up. We saw you know, a couple of those, but for the most part, any cut was with the defensive position. Any off-screen play was trying to fight through the defense and disrupting the rhythm, disrupting the angles, disrupting the advantage, and then they had to make something happen. I really liked what I saw from the Lakers in that regard. It was good stuff. Uh, we saw a 40% increase in the ISO frequency for this Golden State team on scoring possessions from their norm. The Lakers were shutting down their early offense. Ball screens weren't working. Off-ball off screens weren't working. The cuts weren't there. They just had to make stuff happen late. And we saw them hit a lot of those shots. But those were the, like, man, for like 23 seconds here, it was looking great. And then Wiggins hits a bailout midi or they get a putback or Anthony Davis tips the ball into his own rim. But I really like process wise, loved what I saw. And I'm feeling good about these two areas translating to the rest of the series. Golden State can do some things to counter though. Currently, advantage LA tactically in ball screens and off ball screens. And you know, I'd say Golden State overperformed on a lot of the shots that the Lakers wanted them to take, but the frequency of the shots generated from this offense that were shots the Lakers wanted them to take was pretty high. It was just some occasional execution breakdowns. In transition was another area. Uh, there were some putbacks and offensive rebounds that led to some some scramble situations. And then there were a couple counters that they ran. That cluster of, of plays generated higher quality looks. The Lakers can clean up some of those. But whenever, you know, outside of those couple situations, which was not a high percentage of plays, the Lakers did a really good job lowering Golden State's efficiency. When we look at the Laker offense's expected, sh you know, shooting rates based on second spectrum data I was able to get from a source compared to the Lakers, they're about the same. Whether you consider, you know, who the shooter was or not, it was about the same from a shot quality standpoint. It's just that the Lakers played a style of basketball that leads to a lot more free throws. And free throws and turnovers are the two things that you just need to keep an eye on. If you can win the free throw battle, hold your own on the turnover battle, and hold your own with offensive rebounds, and then keep the same shooting efficiency, you just need Golden State to try to shoot out of their minds to beat you. And the Lakers did a pretty good job in this game. Golden State didn't shoot poorly. 
they, they, you know, both teams, I think, here slightly underperformed their shot quality, but it wasn't like this was like a 20% three-point shooting game for Golden State. Hey, it was a 24% shooting game from the Lakers, but they still won because they dominated on the inside and did a really good job defensively. This could have looked a lot worse. Golden State's a good team. They're a really good offense. This was an excellent performance from the Lakers. Understand, though, that excellence defending this offense will still result in plays where they score, will still result in some danger moments. They're still going to get on some runs, but it's about the 48-minute effort and execution and game planning, and you have to be pleased with what the Lakers showed. Now, Golden State, they can look to counter what the Lakers are doing with this off-screen defense of top-locking and sagging off. I diagrammed six of those. No, no, no. I think five. I diagrammed five of those ways during our live playback stream we set another record for viewers. I think we had like 400 people in there at a time or something like that. We had 1,400 total people throughout the course of the day stop by uh, throughout the course of the game. Get in there if you want to see the game a little bit differently. During TV timeouts, I was drawing up plays. Pre-game, we had an entire pre-game show. I had a produced show where we had graphics created. We talked keys to the game. There were stats pulled up. I grabbed video, curated video, and... You know, we're going to, you know, key to the game is getting LeBron to the rim. Here's eight plays showing the three ways I would like the Lakers to get LeBron to the rim. You know, key to the game is the Lakers off-screen defense. When teams hold Golden State under 25 points per game, or 25 points in a game from their off-screen and cut attacks, Golden State plays like a, what did I say, a 14 seed, basically, from a win percentage standpoint. And then when they're able to score more, they, they win at the rate of a one seed. So, you know, that sort of research, that sort of detail and depth is what we're digging into with these pregame shows. And then during the game, calling out what we're seeing, diagramming stuff during TV timeouts. An example of what I diagrammed were some of these counters. And there were five that I shouted out. There's the, hey, I'm being top locked, trying, trying to run off of a down screen on the left side of the court. What I'm going to do is cut under the rim and then, off, then immediately run off of a down screen on the right side of the court. You were in front of me when I was trying to go one way, so I'm going to go the other way, and now you're behind me. So that's that kind of looping action. We see it off of floppy. It works fairly well. That was one thing that uh, we saw. I, I expected to see. I broke down as a counter, and we saw it, just not on high frequency. Another way they could counter is by using kind of screen-to-screener action. So rather than Steph running off and down screen, first have him set a screen for somebody else, You know, set a flex cut screen or something, and then run off your down screen. That is a way to counter this sort of defense. Give give Steph's man a second job to do, and if he doesn't do it, you might get an open layup off that flex cut. You can also run plays where there's more than one route for the shooter to go. Floppy action works great for this. You're standing under the rim. I can go left. I can go right. You can't top lock both of them. You can try to deny one of them for me. I'll just go the other way. And uh, what I did see Golden State use in this game were there were a number of plays, and this was where Troy uh, looked worse than it really was. There were plays where he had to fight through two or three screens with his man starting under the rim. That's really tough on anybody. I don't care who the Lakers put on it, on these guys. That's going to be tough. And when you've got two or three screeners, among those players, there will be other decent chasers out there. I would love to see the Lakers either bump the cutter and throw this guy off his path and give Troy or whoever it is a chance to recover or just switch, switch. And now you're top locking the route that they're trying to go. 
So that is what I would like to see is, is more switches there. The, the cut isn't there. They're not throwing lobs. The, the, that normal attack isn't available when you're switching in the paint like that, so deep on the court. So I don't have to worry about the normal switch concept, switch beating concepts working. Just switch that. And Troy will look better. Vando will look better. Like this, He wasn't the only one that, that fell victim to this. Simple tweak. But again, to the counters, having multiple options. You can't guard. You can't block off both routes. You got to pick one and I'll go the other one. We can see more, uh, it's not quite inverted ball screens, but the screener setting a screen for the passer. So let's say Andrew Wiggins, top of the key. Uh, he's not a non-shooter, so the defense isn't sagging off of him. They're up in his face, trying to disrupt him. Steph Curry's trying to run off of a down screen from Draymond Green. He's being top locked. So he just kind of keeps walking that top lock towards the ball and then sets a ball screen for Wiggins but rather than it just be st- being Steph setting the ball screen, we've got Steph and then also Dennis Schroeder or Jared Vanderbilt. So you've got two players setting a screen on Wiggins. That's going to be potentially effective. Uh, if it's Draymond or if it's Looney or, or Gary Payton, one of these guys where the Lakers are sacking off, it's not really an option anyway. But if it's somebody that DiVincenzo or Wiggins, that can make some things happen as an on-ball guy, has has you know a handle. If the Lakers are not sagging off of that guy, this is an option Golden State can go to. I believe we saw it once in game one. Another option, same idea, is walk, you know, ball top of the key. I didn't diagram this, but I saw this from Golden State. This was a smart one. Walking that top lock to the ball, and then instead of trying to run to the ball to, to receive to receive it, you're just kind of setting your man up. You're gaining space so that you can then run away from the top of the key, away from the ball handler to run off of an off-ball flare screen. And we saw this several times. It resulted in some good looks. So that was one that, shout out Golden State, that wasn't one that I, when I was trying to think about, like, all right, how would I counter this? That wasn't one I thought of. I thought of the other five. Uh, that was not one I thought of. Oh, the fifth one was against the top locks, you know, get the cut, catch in mid-range, and then with lob threats, if AD steps up or whoever just steps up to stop you, try to look to lob the ball in or set in, you know, a pin and flare screen or something, hammer screen. Golden State doesn't have the personnel for the lobs. They could try to do the screen setting stuff, but just getting the ball to the middle of the court and then taking advantage of the defense naturally trying to take, you know, those shots away from you, that is that is a way to operate. So six different ways Golden State could counter. I saw what, four of these, five of these in game one, they had mixed results because the Lakers still executed pretty darn well. And these are these are tough shots they're taking. A lot of these are resulting in, you know, movement off screen, still fairly contested threes. And many of these options kill cl- like shot clock time. And some of them are just things I think the Lakers can make little tweaks to defend with the switching, um, and then some of them are, you know, they're, they're decent options. So how well Golden State incorporates these counters into their game plan will directly lead to into how well or not they're attacking the Lakers off-screen defense. And as I said pre-series, if the Lakers do adjust that off-screen defense and stop top-locking, they stop sagging, that's when we're going to see cuts be really deadly. Score, you know, a point and a half per play. That's when we're going to see the off-screen plays result in some really good threes. We saw a couple of them, but not on high volume. So keep an eye out for that. 
Advantage Lakers for the ball screen offense and the off ball screen offense and AD staying at the rim. That's three for three for LA. But there are there are options for Golden State. Moving on to matchups, I did like Dennis on on Steph best. I thought Vander did a pretty good job. Uh, but he he was fouling more often. He died on screens more often. He his reach on ball against Steph late resulted in Steph blowing by him, getting the end one that started the fourteen nothing run. He, there were several plays in a row before that where he was struggling to navigate screens. I think fatigue hit him a little bit. Um, from a matchup standpoint, on another note, if Jermichael Green is in the game along with Looney or Draymond, I don't want AD on Jermichael Green. Keep AD on the non-shooters. Throw LeBron on Green or Rui on Green. Or I, I, Jermichael Green, he's only really hurting you by spacing the floor. Didn't play a ton this year. Uh, wasn't someone you know really in the real rotation for, for a lot of games, but is someone that can space the floor and would be an important piece to try to get out there. So I would not be surprised at all for him to get more minutes. We did see him get minutes in the first half, but I don't believe he had any in the second half. But uh, if they try to go to him, he hit a couple threes, and then it was like, oh, LA realized he's a good three-point shooter. Adjust the game plan a little bit. That gravity is valuable. You know, rather than having two non-shooters, have one non-shooter out there. So hey, maybe we see them go to a zero non-shooter lineup with no green and no looney. I don't know about that. The rim defense will be very compromised, but the Golden State offense would be opened up a bit more and they might like their odds. So if if the Lakers were to go, you know, let's say they, if they win game two, backs against the wall for Golden State, this might be a drastic measure they take. Or if Golden State wins the game two, but then LA holds home court for games three and four or just game three and then we're going into game four, Golden State might make this tweak because their backs are against the wall. It's a bad, bad strategy on defense. Offensively, there's some validity there with, with playing more five out, capably playing five out, and trying to disrupt the way the Lakers are defending with sagging off of non-shooters, top-locking, taking away both the off-screen offense and the cuts. So, otherwise, matchups look pretty good. Uh, Jordan Poole had a great game. He had six threes. That's the sixth highest volume for him this season. He was making and taking tough shots. I don't think he's going to do this well moving forward. This was this was a bonus game for them from him. Kind of like Rui's shooting in that game one against Memphis was like, oh, this is, you know, we know he can hit some open threes. This was a bit more than we generally expect to see from him. With Poole, I would not be surprised to see him continue to take hard shots. He's done that all year, but not quite hit them at the same rate he was hitting them in this contest. And if so, I think that changes the look of this Golden State team. I'm going to take a quick break and then we will break down the Lakers offense. All right, so looking at the Lakers offense now, this was not a very good LeBron shooting game. This postseason, he shot pretty darn well uh, at the rim, short mid-range, long mid-range. It's just been his threes that have been problematic and we saw that continue in this game. Was not knocking them down. Uh, and hopefully he can turn that around. He was one for eight in this game, shooting on his threes. If you take a look at the team level for the Lakers, they were six for 25. That's 24%. If we remove, let's see, if we remove LeBron's threes, and eh, they shot about what, like 29%? Um, am I doing that math right? No, a little bit higher. Let's see. Yeah, they shot a little, you know, in the low 30s. So it could certainly be better. And 
I expect it to be better. The Lakers underperformed on their threes. They shot very well at the rim. They, they drew fouls quite well. The three-point shooting. You can't lose every game by like 30 points at from the three-point line and be comfortable. You need to... If the Lakers are shot normal, shot just a little bit better, this game isn't as close. And if they shoot a little bit better, more like their norm, guy like Jordan Poole shoots a little bit more like his norm, I think you, you do see start to see the... the the score spread a part of it. Anthony Davis had a really strong scoring game. He was everywhere in the first half. He ended up scoring a bunch of points. He had 30 points. He had 23 rebounds, 8 for 8 at the free throw line. He was 11 for 17 on twos, 0 for 2 on threes. When we look at his points per possession scoring efficiency, so from shots, turnovers, and free throw trips, in the first half, he scored 1.8 points per possession. In the second half, he scored 0.6 points per possession. That, at a high level, very concerning. Is he tired or and or did Golden State figure something out that should carry over? If we get second half AD for a full game next game, you're going to lose. If you get first half AD for any stretch, you know, a, a, a half a game, like if we can get 1.8 points per possession on volume from AD, a half a game, and then, you know, roll the dice on the other half, you're in pretty good shape. If you can get it for a full game, whoo, Lakers going to blow you out. But let's dig into what his scoring possessions look like and then talk through some takeaways. So he had an early turnover after a rebound, first couple minutes of the game. He ran off of a wide pin down, got to the rim for a layup and scored. He got a short roll floater off of an iced ball screen and scored. He had a cut uh, where he just kind of lifted up from the block, just you know, short mid-range jumper. He hit that. He was the trailer in transition twice in a row uh, from a scoring possession standpoint, not necessarily back-to-back plays. Once he had a spot-up mid-range catch and shoot, two-pointer two made once he had an ISO drive. That was a pretty good look. He missed it at the rim, but it was, you know, Kick it back to him trailing and allow him to attack the defense early in the clock against Kavon Looney, uh, 1v1, you know, throw a spin move on him, see if you can drive by him, use your your length and athleticism to finish around him. He just missed the shot, but it was a good look. There was then a transition alley-oop where LeBron threw it up to him. Steph was not quite hustling back in transition. The Lakers got a bucket from that. There was a help beater on a post-up. I, I guess it was more of a, it's kind of like a post-slash ISO. Golden State was more, they were in that like box defense. Two guys at the elbows, two guys at the blocks. The middle of the paint is open. AD cut into the middle of the paint. Perfect counter. Uh, he had a free throw line jumper just inside the free throw line, I guess. Hit that, so two points there. Um, there was a LeBron stampede cut that opened up a dump off for AD. He scored on that at the rim. There was a north-south pick-and-roll kind of step-up screen where as the roll man, he got to the rim and was fouled at the rim. There was a post-1v1 drive that he had where he had a layup against Looney, I believe it was. Uh, there was another iced pick-and-roll, short roll. This time, he got a jumper. He was fouled. They got into his landing space, so two-pointer plus the free throw he made. And then he was fouled in the bonus late second quarter off of a defensive rebound. Pretty much scoring all the time. Like every one of these, lots of transition, lots of short rolls. Uh, he had that turnover early. If you remove that turnover, he literally scored every time except for the transition ISO drive where he just fin- he just missed at the rim. So insanely dominant. And then moving to the second half, 
We saw a Chicago play or Zoom, you could hear it called, where it's the down screen is the dribble handoff. He was the dribble handoff guy. that He, he had the ball, basically. He kept it because uh, Golden State defended that really well. He ended up with an ISO jumper. There was time on the clock. I would have liked to see the Lakers get into another action. He settled for a jumper. It was somewhat open. Uh, he missed that. Next scoring possession for him off of a five-out delay, ran the dribble handoff but kept it, and then turned the corner and dunked the ball. Two-pointer made. Uh, next, he he was spotting up. I don't know why he was doing this, but he was spotting up at the opposite wing during a ball screen. D'Angelo Russell was setting a pin in flare, and he got a spot-up catch-and-shoot three that he missed. Why? Why, why, why? Just flip those two guys. That's like, ugh. There's nothing Golden State did. This is not tired. This is, what are you doing? So that is a quick, easy, don't do this, a uh, little tweak there. Um, there was another wide pin down. He was fouled trying to run off of. He got free throws there. He also got, a, I believe, the technical free throw from that as well. There was a wide pin down where he was able to catch the ball, get middle. I think he had a nice spin move. He got a pretty great shot. The ball just slipped out of his hands. It was going to be a good look or a foul. The ball slipped out. So that's a two-pointer miss technically. Um, he then, again, on a ball screen, this was LeBron was the ball screener on a north-south ball screen. I like that. I like that. Gets LeBron attacking in the middle of the paint. It's going to get him inside position again. Switches. Love that concept. However, you then had AD in the opposite corner and you had Vando in the opposite dunker spot. That duel of guys not involved in the action and one of them being at the three-point line, that's problematic. And here we saw the defense, as they should, sag off of AD, defend the rim, and we saw him get a corner spot-up catch-and-shoot three that he missed. So those were his both of his threes were not really like, oh no, Golden State figured out how to stop things they did in the first half. This was the Lakers lining up dumb in the second half for just a couple individual plays. Uh, he got a putback layup that he made. He had a post-up that he was doubled on. It was kind of like a, you know, Steph was there on the high side. Dennis was the kick out. Not the best three-point shooter. I would have loved to see the pass made or a stampede cut there from Dennis. We did not see either of those. And AD opted for a kind of spin move fadeaway long two that he missed. We saw a cut for him, get a floater that he missed. It was a good look. Uh, and then we saw a putback that he absolutely was fouled on that wasn't called that he missed at the rim. So what do we see here? Uh, there were a couple jumpers. We saw him double in the post on that one play jumper. Not good. Uh, Should have run a counter. Not his fault. We saw the Chicago action that was that was defended really well, result in a jumper. Just flow that into a ball screen. Go dribble at somebody and float into a ball screen and then roll. We saw the spot up threes, just silly plays. Um, we saw the wide pin downs continue to work. We saw the post ups get decent looks on the game overall. We saw him get put back attempts. We saw him get floaters and cuts at the rim. I didn't see anything from Golden State that makes me feel like, oh boy, they've got them figured out. Now, maybe they did during their off day and they go into game two with a better strategy, but his lack of production in the second half, his lack of efficiency was not due to Golden State, nor do I think it was due to fatigue on his part. I just think he he ended up taking some jumpers in some silly spots and then you just didn't counter post help once ball slipped out of his hand once on what would have been a great look. Like I'm, I'm comfortable with what he was doing. Transitioning to the post offense. This was an area that the results weren't good. 
let me let me pull up the results data. Uh, for this game, the Lakers had 13 scoring possessions that started from from post ups, either shots from that post up guy or pass outs to others. They scored 10 points on 13 post possessions, 0.77 points per possession. That's really bad. So what happened? We saw the Lakers absolutely cook one v one. We saw Golden State try to play one v one. This was a question for me going into the series. Can they defend LeBron? Can they defend 81v1 in the post? Absolutely not. Lakers cooked. Lakers absolutely cooked. They need to send help. So they sent help. And we saw the Lakers counter help well. We saw a lot of that box coverage. We saw the Lakers cut right into the middle of it. Boom. Great opportunities. We saw high doubles. And I think we saw, what, two high doubles? Once we saw a great cut for a D'Lo layup at the rim. The other time, Dennis stood still and AD didn't get it to him. I would have liked to have seen Dennis cut because the opportunity was there. So, you know, 50-50 on the high doubles, knocked it out of the park with the box coverage. There were a couple plays where Golden State, rather than being around the paint with that box, they were kind of in the paint, really paint packing. And the Lakers countered that properly by setting pin and flare screens. But the results weren't there. The reason the results weren't there was because, you know, there was one play, 80 was, you know, flashed in the middle of the paint against the box and Rui tried to get it to him. But on ball, Poole just put his hand up and Rui tried to pass it through the hand. Uh, there was a play where AD again flashed to the middle of the paint and a LeBron pass was, inter- well, deflected and, and stolen because it was slightly behind him. Uh, there was a LeBron really good three opportunity off of a pin and flare. He just missed it. The process was better than the results here. Golden State got away with one. The Lakers did a really good job countering the help. And when they didn't help, the Lakers cooked 1v1. Keep an eye out for this as a form of the offense, form of offense for the Lakers moving forward. If they can't stop us 1v1 and we are countering, what, one, two, three different types of types of help, we saw the Lakers counter well, you're in trouble, Golden State. That's going to be a problem. The Lakers countered well. They just didn't quite execute. The shot making wasn't quite there. This is something that I expect to turn around moving forward. Golden State switched it up. They I, This was a concern of mine. This was something I highlighted in the pregame show on Playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Watch Party. I was worried about how frequently Golden State would mix up ball screen coverages and how frequently they would mix up post-help types. They mixed up the post-help types. Didn't matter. LA was on their game with counters. Just didn't quite get to the results. But game two, game three, moving forward. I like... I like what we saw here. I think LA's in good shape. Golden State won this area of the game, in the game, but process-wise, the Lakers did what I wanted them to do. Let's talk about zone. So we saw Golden State run zone. I mean, it was they ran zone for three plays. This was something we talked about in the pre-series scouting report. Golden State, you know, they've got us on the run 2-3, they'll run 3-2. The Lakers hadn't seen 3-2 on the season, so... They'll probably run the 3-2. I would expect them to run it early in the series, probably early in game one. And if the Lakers don't know how to attack it, they'll keep using it. If the Lakers do know how to attack it, they'll stop. We saw that, only we saw it in the fourth quarter. There were three plays the Lakers faced a 3-2 zone. On the first play, they didn't get into anything. It was the first time seeing it. That's fine. Second play, they knew how to attack it. They overloaded the back line. They got an open D'Angelo Russell three-pointer. He missed it. Right approach ran a 3-2 zone buster, missed the shot. Third play, they again 
attacked the 3-2 zone and were able to get a guy into the middle, had an interior duck in to take away the rim protection, D'Lo got a bucket at the rim. Possibly was fouled as well. It wasn't called. So they had two points on three plays. This was happening in the midst of, this was right around when Golden State was kind of making their move. It felt worse than it was. If D'Lo's three falls and they have five points on three plays, we're like, ha, look at this. You know, they tried to run zone against us. We crushed it. They scored two points on three plays instead. But the process was there. The Lakers clearly scouted it. I fully believe that the Lakers were prepared for this and then just didn't get into something the first play they saw, but the, the second and third plays. They did. If they hadn't scouted it and they didn't know what they were doing, because, they again, they hadn't faced 3-2 zone on the air. The, the speed at which they implemented, without a timeout, these attacking concepts for 3-2 zone, you know, that doesn't just happen. Like, they clearly knew what they were doing. They were anticipating this. When they saw it, they were able to get into some good looks. Golden State should probably see that on film. And maybe they'll probe with it here and there again. Maybe they'll run their 2-3 here and there. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried some more. But I, at least in the small sample we saw, feel comfortable with how the Lakers attacked it. I'm not upset about, about the approach there. It wasn't the cleanest. It wasn't the sharpest. It's somewhat harder, I think, to, to notice the like 3-2 zone beating concepts. It's not like normal zone that people tend to see, especially not at the NBA level. But the Lakers did a, a pretty good job. So not worried there. Advantage Lakers moving forward. In this game, again, Golden State got away with one. Uh, literally one um, on, on those three plays. But it was you know, two points, three plays. Not a, not a big impact. For the Lakers pick and roll offense, though. This is where Golden State game planned really well. They were weaking and icing. Well, they were mostly icing. It was more icing than weaking. Ball screens. And that was disruptive. And the Lakers were not able to generate the normal rim pressure they'd like to off of their ball screens. And the Lakers run a, ran a ton of ball screens. They ran, there were 43 scoring possessions off of ball screens for the Lakers this game. Very high. 43. That's a lot. And the Lakers ran double drag. They ran in, ran some other sets. But the icing was very disruptive. It what, And what I'm talking about there is rather that if the, if the Lakers are at, let's say D'Lo's at the right wing and AD runs up to set a ball screen for him and then AD's plan is to roll down the right sideline, D'Lo drive middle. Rather than let D'Lo use that screen and drive towards the middle, D'Lo's man would jump out and be in the path where D'Lo would want to go to drive middle. So either... He drives baseline or he drives around that guy and then the, the ball screen isn't really effective. And when you try to go drive around the guy, it's not effective because, you know, you're going off your path. The rollers man now doesn't need to help. The screen didn't do anything. This was effective for them. We saw it generate, though, for the Lakers, some 80 short roll attacks, some pretty good attacks there. I would like to see the Lakers, and it, they did make this adjustment in game, start flipping the screen. So rather than the screen angle being for the player to go middle, as soon as they ice that, flip the screen angle so that it's going, it's for you to go downhill. And when they did that, they had more success. And I would like to see this, you know, just jumped up a little bit in effectiveness by maybe try to snake back towards the middle, drive off of it. And then while that guy's now on your back, go back middle and then give AD that rolling lane. The 80 short rolls were good. Use more of that. You could try to avoid 
the defense icing these screens by trying to get to these looks from dribble handoffs or from Chicago or, or Zoom action, whatever you want to call it, where there's the down screen into the handoff. Those actions can set you up. Uh, the, what else? The, you know, you can try to use some misdirection. The short rolling is good. Flipping the screen is good. Snaking back middle is good. Like there's stuff you can do. If Beasley gets in, in there, you can, you know, use AD as a screen setter. You, you can run some wiper action kind of behind this. We've This is in the Lakers playbook. They've got some ice beaters. So I think LA should be in decent shape, but they do require some tweaks here. And if they do tweak this and they are able to actually drive middle again, well, guess what? 80s rolls are unlocked again. Because when you're icing and the Lakers with their pacing, they were driving side, you know, down the baseline and, or down the sideline. AD wasn't able to really roll. Uh, and he was catching short rolls. He's not really pressuring the rim. And because of that, we saw, we didn't see like the lobs off of these or the, you know, easy buckets. We did not see LeBron stampede cuts off of these situations. We did see some, we did see a LeBron stampede cut, but not off of this. So if you could just set this up, this one little tweak allows you to get back to your pick and roll game. That might open the floodgates for your offense. That's what's going to open the shooters. That's going op- to that that'll open the stampede cuts. That'll open the AD lobs to the rim. Go to that. Go do that. Uh, we did see the Lakers adjust and just kind of shift towards more step up ball screens. Those north south angled pick and rolls. Those can't be iced, and we saw those be very effective. Get that inside position. LeBron catching in the short roll. That's that's good stuff. We saw AD get inside position, fouled at the rim on an attempt. We saw the Lakers, I think they got a drive or two at the rim from this. That was effective. That's a good concept. That you cannot ice. Keep going to that as well. So you can make the tweak, implement your ice beaters, try to get your normal pick and roll game going again, and just use more north-south ball screens. Now, double drags. Golden State scouted this well. They did what we saw several teams use in the regular season. And this was part of my video breakdown against, oh Lord, who was it? Was it Minnesota? I I don't even remember. Um, I did a video breakdown at one point about the Lakers. Maybe it was in the Memphis series. It might've been Memphis. Yeah, I think it was Memphis. Their double drag attack within a specific game. I think it was Memphis, like game two or three or something. Um at one point, they figured out that, oh, yeah, we can switch the first screen and have the guy who's now switched onto the ball handler really jump out and try to ice that second screen. They did this. Multiple teams have done this against the Lakers. They did this, and it worked well. This stopped that action. Again, no stampede cuts, no no AD lobs, no corner threes. Go to ram action or go to your rip setup or go to other disguised ways to get into double drag or prevent that switch in in ice. We did see the Lakers do this and it worked better then. So we saw an in-game tweak. I think we'll see double drag be more effective. Don't be surprised to see it from the Ram setup moving forward. I I think we saw some little tweaks and I'd anticipate seeing the others to the point where like in the game, this was an advantage for Golden State and on pretty high volume. So this was a big impact area. However, Later in the game, we started to see the Lakers make those tweaks that I think should carry over to the next contest. So I liked that. Oh, one last night I didn't mention. Steph ball screens. Uh, there was the one during the 14-0 run where 
basically at the logo, Dennis Schroeder got Cronwald um, just absolutely hit in the back with his screen, blindsided in transition. That led to a good shot. We saw that once in the whole game. This is not something Golden State's frequently able to get to, and the Lakers were able to try to prevent these opportunities by, whenever they could, using some token full-court press, kind of getting into Steph. You need better communication in a situation like that. Like There are things you can do to defend this better. We... I, I, that one play does not make me worried about Steph ball screens. If they can run that a lot more, then yeah, that would be worry, worrisome. But there are things you can do to mitigate the volume that you'll face against that. We did see dribble handoffs. They were held below the, the Golden State season average, but they were still like they were still decent offense. So stopping them, slow, you know, slowing them down is different from stopping them. I think we'll see more slowing them down than we will see just like oh man, they can't score at all. It's Golden State. They've they've got they've got the guns and. Jordan Poole specifically in the handoffs, he was somebody that overperformed quite a bit. And this kind of goes right into what I was talking about with him. He hit seven handoff scoring possessions. He scored 1.9 points per possession. Like That's not, that's not what he's going to be doing generally. Uh, I do not expect that to continue. If we look at like how he scored on dribble handoffs on this season, he scored one point per possession, not two. So he was about twice as effective as he usually is. And still, Golden State was held down below their their normal scoring in those situations. So good work again. I just wanted to make sure I counted that out. Because, yeah, we did see some things work for Golden State, just not as well as they usually do. So for the Lakers defense, 80 rim protection, check, advantage Lakers. Steph ball screens, check, advantage Lakers. Off ball screen defense, check, advantage Lakers. Jordan Poole went off. Not sure if we're going to see... That it, it, he certainly can. I talked about this pre-series. He will have games where he goes off, but more often than not, he's not going to be this kind of guy. He overperformed today, but you're just happy to survive a game where he did overperform. Now for the Lakers' offense, we saw you know 80 slow down in the second half. Not necessarily a concern. The post offense advantage Lakers moving forward, but Golden State got away with one. The zone offense. Again, Golden State got away with on. I'm okay with the process there. Low volume. Pick and roll offense. Advantage Golden State. Um, so the Lakers need to, to clean up the pick and roll offense. They need to anticipate and be ready for some of those counters from the Warriors on offense with, with ball screens, with off ball screens. But there's not as much you need to clean up if you're the Lakers heading into this next game. Let's talk about the free throw disparity here for a second. A team that draws fouls very often on offense and defensively fouls very infrequently against a team in Golden State that is not anywhere near the Lakers on offense or defense in terms of not fouling or drawing fouls. If you're looking at the drive numbers and you're saying, oh, well, they only got four free throws off of drives. Like you're misunderstanding. Drives aren't a high free throw rate play. It was, what did I say? I covered this on a pod, I don't know, maybe a month ago. What is it, like 14% of drives result in a free throw? That's That would be what I think it was like the second or third lowest play type. You know, post-ups, just isos in general, uh, putbacks, roll man positions. Like so many of these things generate fouls at high rates. The things that don't generate fouls at high rates are off-screen plays. There are handoffs. Those are two things Golden State did 30 more times than the Lakers from a scoring possession standpoint in this game. They hammered those things that do not draw fouls. They don't draw fouls at, at, at high rates. They were hammering those things. 
And so you can't look at from a style of play standpoint, from a shot profile standpoint, LA dominating at the rim, Golden State trying to dominate from the three-point line. One of those two areas leads to more free throws. And so understand both both the style of play from a play type standpoint, understand the shot profile element of it. It's not just drives. Drives can be, you know, I drove off a ball screen and kicked it out. I drove off a ball screen, got to the rim. I drove off a ball screen and, and got fouled halfway there. Like there are a lot of different ways that can look. I understand how it is used as a proxy for rim pressure, but it's not necessarily actual rim pressure. The percentage of drives that actually get somebody to the rim that aren't just like cut off and neutralized or don't result in like kickouts at like the free throw line, it's, you know, it's pretty high. Uh, the, 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 the rate of drives that doesn't get to the rim, I should say. Looking at the Lakers' fouls that they drew, uh, I think I, I think I have these numbers right. Four fouls they drew off of drives, 21 off of non-drives. It's not a drive thing. Uh, we saw a purposeful foul to put Dennis Schroeder at the free throw line at the end of the game. We saw Rui in the post beat an F post defender, Clay Thompson, fouled at the rim. This is, by the way, Golden State's among the most foul-prone defenses in the league on post-ups. In ISO, we saw Dennis blow by Andrew Wiggins and get fouled at the rim. We saw in transition, LeBron fouled on a uh, layup, or he was about to be a layup. We saw him fouled again on a transition drive. We saw Vando fouled on a transition layup. We saw Dennis fouled on transition, in transition on a drive. We saw Vando fouled on a putback. It was a clear foul. We saw Looney twice foul Anthony Davis while Looney was trying to get an offensive rebound. A little bit different from... The illegal screen we saw, a little bit different from, I don't know, I think it was Steph was pushing off, coming off of an off-ball screen. I don't think it, I think it was either that or maybe Draymond was called for the, the illegal screen. One or the other, that's not going to lead to free throws. Andrew Wiggins committing a charge against Reeves, that doesn't lead to free throws. But rebounding fouls do and can and did. Um, so Looney, he was all over AD. Uh, he got fouled, he called, he got called for fouls twice. He could have been called for fouls more often. But, you know, rebounding in general, putbacks, those things draw fouls. On roll man possessions, Looney stepped into Anthony Davis's landing space on a mid-range roll man jumper. We saw AD fouled on a short roll at the rim after that north-south step-up ball screen. We saw Draymond push Vando down while Vando was screening. Uh, or he pulled him down, really, not pushed. And then complained about it. And I think that was the one that led to the technical free throw. Was that it? No, no, no. It was a different one. I think it was the uh, the wide pin down. Um, Jordan Poole pushed Dennis's screen over. I think Dennis sold it, but that's a foul. So four fouls with the Lakers just setting screens with the rollers or rolling. With their pick and roll ball handlers, we saw Clay get in D-Lo's landing space on a midi out of a pick and roll ball handler attack. We saw Poole get in Dennis's landing space on a midi off of a pick and roll. We saw Gary Payton II push Dennis as he was about to go around a screen. That's a foul. We saw twice D'Lo caught Steph in the cookie jar as he was about to use a ball screen or as he was using a ball screen. It wasn't quite a drive, but those are some of the additional fouls you can draw in ball screens. With off-ball screens, oh, and by the way, Golden State actually almost leads the league in free throw rate defending off-ball screen plays, which is funny because this is the thing that they do so frequently and just big picture doesn't usually draw fouls. Draymond fouled 80, trying to run off a wide pin down, then got a tech complaining about it. Free three throw, three free throws for 80. We saw Poole foul 80, trying to run off of a wide pin down. 
you, you, they tried to jam him. They tried to hold him. They tried to burst through the screen. LA generated advantages with that wide pin down for, for AD. They need to keep using that play. On spot ups, there's one foul we saw. D'Lo caught Clay in the cookie jar. So just silly fouls in some of them. Very well-earned fouls in just about everywhere else. And again, the Lakers tend to do things they post up, they'll ISO, they're active on putbacks, they get in transition, you know, among the highest of anybody. These are things that generate fouls at high rates, more than just a generic drive out of, out of any situation. Golden State is doing the things that do not draw fouls well. Off-screen plays, handoffs. And from a shot profile standpoint, Lakers clearly geared towards the rim, Golden State clearly geared towards the three-point line. So this is not surprising. It shouldn't be surprising. Uh, we heard Steve Kerr during the game and after the game, like, not really be surprised. It wasn't a poorly officiated game. This is what it's going to continue looking like. If Golden State can't stop the wide pin downs, they're going to have to be fouling. If the Lakers make this tweak with their ball screen attack and we're now able to get drives to the middle with AD, you know, as a roll man for lobs, LeBron looking to attack on stampede cuts those attacks at the rim are going to generate some fouls. Not necessarily the, the drive itself, but the roll, the cut. Like These are things that draw fouls well. So yeah, we've talked about this. This isn't surprising. So heading to game two, Golden State has a lot to clean up. The Lakers have a couple things to clean up. The Lakers had a couple things that went. They didn't go their way, but process-wise, they did the right things. Stay the course. This will be a series where Golden State is going to go on some runs. This will be a series where Golden State is able to put some points up while you're pushing them into the shots you want them to take. They're really good shooters. And there will be stretches of play where, like, using just, you know, great defense with the sagging off and the top locking, Golden State hits a number of tough shots in a row, but the process was there, and you got to stay the course. There will be plays, stretches of play where they miss everything because they're taking tough shots. And you need to, from a, and, and, you know, it's hard, it's harder to get into this mindset watching live. You want to win, but results doesn't necessarily mean we're doing something wrong. Uh, looking at the process, that is, that is really where you want to focus. So I'm loving what I'm seeing. If AD can contest 90% of the shots, 91% of the shots at the rim. Holy crap. That is incredible. So I've never seen anything like that. In, in the last series, it was 73, 29, 52, 27, 27, 71. 91%, so much higher than what we saw in the Memphis series. Incredible numbers. Again, the Lakers held down the Steph ball screens. If people were telling you, oh, they just needed to run more Steph ball screens, bullshit. Those didn't work. They did not work well. The off-ball screen attacks did not work well. Golden State did not have offensive answers other than some of the counters they ran, getting out in transition, uh, some offensive rebound opportunities. Need to box out, by the way. I need to see. I need to see boxing out on the wings. If you're guarding Wiggins, you need to box out. If you're guarding DiVincenzo, you need to box out. Um, other than a couple breakdowns, a couple transition looks, a couple counters, a couple putbacks, like the Lakers' defense was in control. And Golden State at home, they're favored this game too. They can very well win it. But I have confidence in the Lakers winning in six. If Golden State does not adjust well tonight and they lose one of those home court opportunities, we could be seeing Lakers in five. But if they do make these adjustments comprehensively and regain control and the Lakers don't regain control with their pick and roll attack, 
and you know have another off game executing with their post help beaters or maybe Golden State throws something at them that they're they're not expecting, which I don't anticipate. Golden State might be able to regain the edge, and then it's you know Golden State and seven might be the projection projection. But as of right now, based on what our B ball index projection has, Lakers and six is the most likely outcome. So that's my breakdown for today. Hope you enjoyed. Be sure to, I mean, I would imagine you're following me on Twitter, but be sure to follow the podcast account on Twitter is at LakersXPod or LakersXPod. That's where the that's where that name came from because we abbreviated it and then didn't realize that the if you just change which letters capitalized, it becomes LakersXPod. Um, if you want to join our Discord, also playing off of this idea, the LakersX Mafia, which we had a little fun with, um, send me, Tom, or the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast Twitter account a five-star review of the pod via DM or check out the link in my bio. If you're interested in learning more of the X's and O's of the game, we've had a bunch of people lean into this and utilize this recently as as we're getting to that time of year and you want to be able to better understand what you're seeing what i'm saying I, i'm going to do my best to explain concepts as i present them but it's tough with how many new people are joining in how much we're growing to every single game have to pause and say oh, oh by the way this is what this is what a step up ball screen is this is what a hammer action screen is this is what i mean when i say chicago action so if you want to get that full primer understand everything i'm talking about check out the courtside tier of the Discord. You will get access to, currently we have 20 hours of recorded content. I'm kind of pausing right now because of the playoffs. Once the playoffs are over, I'll have some more content out. Um, but 20 hours, it's 10 bucks a month. You can get in there, cancel your sub if you get through everything. You have access to me in a channel where you can ask questions related to X's and O's or you know show film and say like, hey Tim, what are we seeing here? What does this mean? What, is, what are they doing? What would you do? I'm happy to be accessible there. There are other folks in that course that you can chat with as well. Coaches in there, players in there, fans in there, uh, analysts, podcasters, bloggers. Like This is a great place for anybody to try to learn the game a bit better. You do not need to pay hundreds of dollars to be able to enjoy basketball a little bit more. 10 bucks. I promise you it's going to be good stuff. And uh, if you want to do that, you want to do that now. This is something we're planning to take off the Discord and add to the B-Ball Index website. And at that point, it might be it might cost a little bit more. So take advantage of it now. It's the best value you're going to get if you're trying to learn the game, trying to learn those X's and O's. Check that out in the Discord. We also have a lower bowl tier. That's five bucks a month where you get bonus pods. After this, I'm about to record a bonus pod. Uh, those bonus pods are available to the courtside tier and all the other tiers that are higher than that five buck a month tier. But what I'm doing is it, I'm about to have a Q&A pod. I did an AMA before game one. I'm not doing an AMA for every game. But every game that I'm not doing an AMA, AMA for, I will be attempting to do a mailbag bonus pod to get some of those extra thoughts out. Uh, maybe get some fiery takes in for that exclusive community. So if you want to be a friend of mine, go check out that there are other tiers in there as well. You can you can read about what each tier has at each level, either once you get into the group or from the link in my bio on Twitter again. I want to shout out friends of the podcast, TJ Timotaji, Zach Harris, Q Daddio, iPod Shuffle, Miguel, T Shuttleworth, Omar, Roy, Abzal Rahman, Keneal Mason, Doppel, and Romario, all for living the high life with us in the owner's box. They get access to everything I just talked about, plus some extra stuff as well. Shout out to the Quartzite and Lower Bowl crews as well. Again, get into that Discord. And then let's talk about playback. If you want to watch the game, you don't want to have to worry about your crappy league pass or 
your your TV sub being glitchy or something. I, I actually, when I watch on playback on our live streams, it is higher quality video and it is less laggy and it is smoother than when I'm watching not on playback with my League Pass or even my Hulu Live at times. Get in there. It is a synced up stream. We're all seeing the same game at the same time. We do not let people spoil anything. If you try to spoil, we kick you out of the chat. You can still watch, but you can't chat. So you know you're not going to have anything ruined the way you would that as if you are going on Twitter or going in the, the Discord game chat. Like everybody's enjoying the game at the same time, reacting together. I'm there on stage. Tom's there on stage. We are breaking down what is happening live. We are breaking down, oh, okay, Lakers going to their post-op. Here's the help that we're seeing. Here's how you would attack it. Oh, look, they did. Or, oh, this would be a great time for five out to lay keep. Oh, they did it. That was that was a moment we had a couple of games ago. Um, during TV timeouts, drawing stuff up, we can now share our screen with playback. So I can pull up diagrams I've made in Fast Draw, which is a coaching tool that we I create playbooks with. I can draw stuff up on, an, on a digital whiteboard. Pre-game, we literally had uh, like a multimedia presentation up. So there's a vid- visual component as I'm talking. As I'm talking through the keys of the game, you see fun facts popping up on the screen. You see cool graphics. We go over the X factors. Nailed that, by the way. You can see we pulled video. You were able to see uh, you know, the how we want to get LeBron attacking the rim. Here, you know, here's what we want to do. Here are three examples of how we want to do it. Here's video. Here's, you know, eight, seven clips on those three examples. Or the off-screen defense is really key. Here's exactly what we want to see or here's what it looks like. And so being able to do that while annotating on the screen, to me, brings the production value up to a whole new level. This is not something you're going to get anywhere else, folks. This is the best way to watch Lakers games. And it's free. I, you don't need to pay me anything. You don't need to pay them anything. As long as you have a TV login for your Hulu Live or your Xfinity or your Spectrum or whatever it is, however you normally watch games, as long as you're not illegally streaming games, if you have League Pass, even if you just have League Pass, I think, and nothing else, you put that credential in, you'll be able to watch these games. Uh, if you don't have anything at all, you'll still be able to listen. And that's key. If you want to listen and then sync up on your end with our audio, that works too. You won't be able to see the game on the screen, but when I switch over to be sharing my screen and annotating and doing the pregame show, you'll be able to see that. So you, whether just uh, audio alone or audio and visual, that is to me the best way to watch Lakers games. Check it out. It is a bunch of fun. And uh, it really, when the Lakers are doing well, it really does turn into a uh, party. We put the party on Lakers watch party as we saw in game six against Memphis. So join us over there if you want to have some fun. We cannot promise the Lakers will win the game, but I promise you it'll make it a more enjoyable viewing experience. And you will not leave the game wondering like, oh, well, what what happened? Why did why did we lose? What what happened there? You'll be in much better shape with regard to those things if you if you check out the game with us. So go do that. Let's go, Lakers. Let's go, you know, stay greedy. Let's take two on the road. I don't want to just take one. Let's take two. Let's build a little buffer in here. All right? So I'll, I'll, I want to get going. I'll see you in the playback. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. 
all backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.